0: Hey, welcome to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christopherson. I'm joined by Michael Bruntz. How are you doing, Michael?
1: Not bad. It's, uh, it's weird that you call me Michael. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> You're in I'm trouble. Not... I know. Yeah, that, that's basically what did I do wrong. Um, I'm not bad. How are you doing? It's uh yeah, Wednesday. I, usually
0: call, I usually call you Bruntz, I guess, don't I? Yeah, so, everybody uh, does. Sorry, sorry, I messed that up. This is Bronx on the other end. You can you you can refer to him as that we're very informal here. Um And uh yeah, let's talk to football. Let's just get right into it. I don't have a lot of good banter planned. And I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to be good off the cuff with banter today. So we'll get right into uh, Nebraska has won two games in a row. First time they've done that in the Big Ten since 2018. So it's been tough around here. (laughs) It's kind of remarkable. Like when you start start putting like superlatives on it like that, like just how bad things have been. Yeah. And that's why uh, it was ugly. The win was ugly Friday night against Rutgers. They won the thing 14 to 13, rallied Mm -hmm. from a 13-0 halftime deficit where it looked very bleak in New Jersey um rave it was kind of a rave party with a football game in the middle there was a music just happening and not a not a sellout crowd as mickey joseph pointed out uh at the press conference yesterday and he was right about that um and yet the boys found a way to pull that thing out they were very happy on the field it was kind of uh you you would say they're pretty pumped up about maybe stealing the w Yep, and uh you can't apologize for winning right now. Never apologize for it, but especially when you've been where Nebraska has been.
1: Yeah, no. The best part, the best part I thought of the the post game celebration was well, there were two things. One was Bill Bush looking to basically high five whoever he possibly could walking out of that tunnel, going back towards the Nebraska locker room, and the second was some like ten year old. Rutgers fan just giving Nebraska players the double bird as they were heading to the <laughs> locker room. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, uh, you know what, what the future holds for that kid, but he he's going to be opinionated apparently. So, um, yeah, it, it was bad. And I mean, right down to the last snap, I mean, Nebraska fumbled the Vic, the snap in the victory formation. Cause Rutgers was diving in everybody's knees, but those are games that as bad as they were, and what we went from <laughs> Broncos-Colts on Thursday night to whatever that was on Friday, um, they, they haven't won those types of ugly games for a long, long time. And, you know, I don't know where this season is going, um, but it felt like a little bit of progress that even if Nebraska could look like absolute crap for, you know, three quarters of football – that they're able to win um, even against a Rutgers team that, you know, is not, I, I don't think they're great by any stretch, but those are the types of games that for the last, I mean, going back to 2017, even, even 2015, that that Nebraska has found new and exciting ways to lose and they actually won. And, and that, that to me is a little bit of progress.
0: Yeah. You could basically say every year, but 2016, They've been mostly on the losing end of those type of games. And, yeah. you know, the, the big positive uh, is the defense right now. Uh, you know, you have to say since Bill Bush took the thing over, um, the, it keeps coming back that it's just simplification and getting guys' feet set and uh, they're ready at the snap and they're flying around. It feels like there has to be more to it than that. But whatever it is, um, they don't uh, let – one snowball that gets thrown in their face lead to an avalanche. You know, it it's like in the past, it's felt like if something bad happens, I always use the Weezer reference of the sweater song. You pull the thread, it comes undone. And that's the, the Husker defense. Uh, it had been to start the season. A case in point where they are not that group is when you have a punt block and uh blaze Gunnerson saves a tackle inside your own 10. That's, Three weeks ago, a touchdown and two plays or less for the opposing team. And Nebraska instead holds them to a field goal, and that ends up being the difference. I didn't feel like they had a real great footing in the first half, even after the first drive, Bruns, because if you look at the numbers, I think they had given up like 260 yards or something. So, I mean, it was they were on pace for a terrible statistical game. And yet, in the second half, they gave up, was it 75, something like that, Yeah, like 80? Mm -hmm. you know um they just had a firm grip and Garrett Nelson was good they got pressure the guys who came off the bench like Brandon Moore and Hartsog did enough in their jobs Malga Clements um and I just like the fact that they they didn't let um a negative early turn into just like this is the theme of the night you know they 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 punched back against it and uh you know they're they're doing some good things on that side now. Rutgers has a quarterback problem, and that offense was abysmal. They fire the coordinator. Of. Fire yeah, the coordinator. Nebraska every week somebody gets fired that's involved with the Nebraska game. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like but they they hired a guy named Nunzio, I believe, as the yeah. OC, which makes sense. That should be the, why that guy was not the offensive coordinator at Rutgers prior to this. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're Purdue's coaching staff, you got to be feeling like this is probably a must-win game, right? Like you, you got to get this <laughs> yeah. one.
0: <laughs> yeah, some coordinators like not sleeping this week at Purdue. Um, but what I mean, what do you think about the defense, real quick, Bronson? I mean, just like what stood out to you about it in in them getting it done? Because early on. Um, you know, I felt they had a couple of plays where they leaked yardage that just shouldn't have, shouldn't have been there. Like there was that 43 yard play where Caleb Tanner and a few guys were there and yeah. we were in the box and we we're like, how the heck did that not go for nothing? Yeah. And, no, and there, yet
1: they held them down. There was that play they Rutgers hit a couple of early deep balls on Hartzog that I, I kind of felt like it was like, oh no, here we go. And. You know, you mentioned you know Nebraska having to lean on Brandon Moore and Hartzog in that second half. You you didn't have Luke Reimer. Um, You know what I what I do think you could see is the the time kind of kind of as the game kind of went along. I felt like the front was pretty active, and I I think it was you know Mickey or somebody was talking yesterday about. you know, really making sure that early in the game that you're rotating more because you want those guys to be able to get after the quarterback on fourth down, um, you know, or in the fourth quarter, there was that play where Garrett Nelson had a sack that kind of put Rutgers out of field goal range. I mean, that, that was a huge uh, play in the game. I, I thought, you know, he's been good in two straight weeks. Ty Robinson was disruptive again and, you know they they just played solid in the second half, and and that's you know against teams that you know are struggling. That's all you have to do is is don't give them leaky yards, don't give them uh, opportunities to you know for for additional downs and things like that. And I, I think the deep this defense has been solid in that aspect since Bill Bush took over. Um, you know it's it was one of those games too where you know if you just kind of look at the the box score especially early i mean that very little was going nebraska's favor they were getting killed in the field position game um you know their their backs were against the wall quite a bit on offense defense was you know holding up well but you know to to force the two field goals in in the first half i mean that that was pretty much the the game right there and it allowed you know, Nebraska to feel going into the locker room that they had a chance to come back in the second half. I mean, coaches said that the players were confident throughout halftime that they were going to win mm. that football game, but it looks a heck of a lot different at 13 to nothing versus, you know, maybe 21 to nothing uh, if Nebraska is not able to get those stops. So it was, it was another good kind of confidence builder for the defense. And, and, you know, we'll see if they can build on that going forward because it's it's going to be – a completely different animal this week with Purdue and and what they can do. Cause they're, they're kind of a team that, you know, if you want to, if you need to kind of run for yards, they're going to do it. They can chuck it around on you. So it, it, this is a different challenge for Nebraska's defense this week.
0: Yeah. Um, the last thought on the defense, <clears throat> it's one of those performances you appreciate more, I think, after the game, because when you're in it, and the offense is scuffling as bad as they are, you're, you're so distracted by, this wreck over on the side of the road, you know, that you like, you sometimes don't appreciate like the Nelson sack near the end of the half that, that you brought up and how big that ends up being at the end of the day. And that, <clears throat> that's where it's difficult for a team and show some maturity that the defense was able to in those moments, like, no, just play the snap in front of you and let's see how this thing, um, you know, works its way through uh, to, to the finish. Uh, now moving to the off- offensive side of the ball, Um, there's not a lot I can say that's, I mean, it (laughs) was, you saw the game. Yeah. I mean, they found a way, but really (laughs) the, the one drive, their first touchdown drive was their best drive. And, uh, that one was aided by some penalties. Um, but they took advantage of it. They converted a fourth and two. They converted a third and seven, I believe where Palmer caught one that was kind of behind him inside the 10 yard line um and that was a key drive like I, I think if they had come out in the third quarter and just laid an egg it would have been a real difficult task and you know maybe a, a real mental challenge for the defense as well but I think that lifted the sideline when it was suddenly a 13-7 game yeah. and there's a there's a thinking like you know Rutgers isn't going to score much more like if you can piece one more drive together you might win the thing
1: yeah all right I, talking to offense I mean Nebraska averaged 2.5 a carry on the ground. Um, Casey Thompson again looked like a crash test dummy at times, just getting thrown around. What, and I mean, what where we're at in this season right now, what do you see as a potential fix for this offensive line? Because Mickey Joseph said yesterday that the changes are possible. Um, would that really help at this point? Because you already saw Bryce Benhart only play seven snaps against Rutgers. That was one ch- notable change. Um, what, what, what can they do at this point, aside from just having to start scheme things up to get Casey out on the run and, and stuff like that to protect him? Cause mm-hmm. if you go back and watch that game, I mean, they were keeping tight ends in, they were keeping running backs in it's uh you're going to be challenged over the last half of the season and that offensive line isn't making it any easier.
0: Yeah. Um, That's a good point about um, keeping extras at home to try to help the O-line because that's, that's the first thing you would say is, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta give those guys some help with some, some more bodies. Uh, But I think they've already been trying that and, you know, Mickey did say, yes, the five could switch. I think a name that maybe, he's been around, but maybe pops up again as Brant Banks because Banks came in, you know, um, for Corcoran in that Indiana game when he got ejected and played actually pretty well. Like as far as the O-line's been going, he played better than a lot of guys have been doing. And I wonder if you maybe give Banks a look again at some spot. Um, it's been tough for Turner, you know, it really has at at left tackle. And, you know, he's a four-star recruit and, he's just struggled with the past pro. Obviously Ben Hart has. And I know Ben Hart's sort of the pinata of people, but then Hunter Anthony came in. And if you're just gonna call it like it is, um, he scuffled too, you know, like he was in there when when Casey got hurt and on that play. So I don't know that there's just a magical personnel fix. And Mickey admitted as much. I kind of said in a question to him yesterday, I mean, you kinda are who you are personnel wise, right? And he he kind of agreed with concurred um so I I don't know that uh that you know Latovsky's a young guy I think can be good and he's been a pretty good run blocker but he struggled in pass pro at right guard and and Bando I think is still ahead of him who are your two best guys Hickson's your best guy maybe Bando's second right now I don't know if you're to rank them yeah
1: I I would probably say Hickson's your first and beyond that I mean it's
0: it's been inconsistent. Yeah.
1: I mean, there hasn't been anybody consistently there. What, what do you, from what we've seen in these two weeks of, you know, post bye week of just Mark Whipple calling plays. What, what do you see as like Nebraska can kind of hang its hat on going forward because <laughs> they, they were okay against Indiana. But, I mean, it was just such, such tough going last week. I mean, what what are you expecting to see this week that, like, gives you confidence that Nebraska is going to be able to get it done mm-hmm. on offense?
0: I don't have confidence, but I I do know that sometimes uh, a O-line gets knocked all week, and uh, everybody can think it's really bad. And this group has a lot of data points that's suggesting that's the case. But once in a while, though, you'll – You'll know, you'll see a group just come out and for whatever reason, it kind of clicks and you find a couple plays early on and you get that first drive where you're going downhill a little bit. I think it's got to start with the run game. And I know how much they, uh, knocked their head against the wall against Rutgers. What did it, they ended up with 72 net rushing yards. I think yeah. by the end of the game, Anthony Grant really couldn't get going. I mean, he was eighth in the country in rushing coming into that. And he took a dip, uh, in his numbers. But I think when you talk about what is the stronger suit of the the guys they have up front, I think it's run blocking. And obviously you got to be able to throw the ball. And I'm not saying they're a great run blocking team, but I think they're a little bit better at that than pass blocking or they feel a little more comfortable with that. And that's where they've got to – they've just got to get something going early on with that where they can – they can use a little clock, they can run grand, and he's getting, and Mickey said this, we've got to be happy with three or four yards. I think he said it on his TV show, running the ball, and knowing that you're setting up manageable third and shorts. And so that's going to be a big key Saturday is I think if they can run on first down, and even if it's like three yards, you kind of, if you're sitting on your couch at home, you're like, okay, they're they're setting themselves up where they can get to a third and three or something and Casey's not going to have to have a lot of time and you can get a first down, you can move the change, you can move the clock. That's the type of game they need to play. I think, you know, where it's, it's little chunks and, and then th- this is a team that's going to need that big play at some point too, or you get Palmer over the top too, you know, all the, that, that's of course got to be part of the equation.
1: Yeah. Purdue, I believe has not given up a hundred yard oh. r- rushing game this year. It, it's going to be, Tough sliding, but you, your point's right, though. I mean, I, I think you almost kind of need to to kind of bang your head against the wall a little bit with, with the run game and, and try to set up some of the pass. I mean, it's – Anthony Grant's the kind of guy where – and we've seen it this year. I mean, even, even if he's having to make a guy miss three yards deep in the backfield, he still has a chance to get you three or four more than likely. Um, you know, I I was a little surprised that Nebraska didn't go to Grant Moore against Rutgers. Um especially earlier in the game. So that's something to watch, I guess. But, um, you know, they, they did get Travis Vokalek back involved in the passing game. I think you, you saw the benefits of that. He, of course, scored his first touchdown as a Husker in that game. Uh, Trey Palmer had the big catch. And, you know, beyond that, I mean, we'll kind of see what else they can shake loose, um, you know, whether you get Marcus Washington going or, you um, Maybe maybe a little Tommy Hill uh, on to wide receiver yep. signature Tommy play, and and beyond that, I mean that you, you just got to find something that you can uh, c- can kind of make work. And I I think your point is a uh, your point about complementary football is an important one because I think this is a defense that can make life a little bit more difficult for teams. But Nebraska's got to win the time of possession, and, and they've done it the last couple games. But mm-hmm. that, that's got to be something that they have to continue to dominate. I mean, it's almost like Nebraska kind of needs to, they need to kind of drag it into the mud and make it a four quarter game because that that's the type of game that they're probably going to win
0: versus a a track meet in some of these Mm -hmm. games. Yeah, And you can't, I I know O'Connell, I don't believe played in that game a few weeks ago where they scuffled and barely beat Florida Atlantic. It was like 28, 26 or something. Um, but the thing I'll say about this is Purdue's a double digit favorite, and I totally understand why. like i I get get why that the odds makers um, have put it there, and I don't question it. But I do think also you you don't go into this game and act like, you know, these it's not like Purdue is some force that you couldn't you couldn't take down. I, 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 you know, if you played a sharp football game, if you won the turnover battle, and you were able to limit their explosive plays on offense to a degree and make them have to sort of navigate their way down the field on 10-11 play drives, um, you know, you, you've got a shot. But it, it's, it all comes down to the O-line. And the O-line right now I think is what is keeping people from, frankly, sort of having this thought like something special could happen because it's out there in the West. You see it and this divisions there to be taken – And um, there's excitement about Mickey and what Bill Bush has done with the defense. And then you're like, Oh yeah. The offensive line. (laughs) That that's a rather important part of football. Man, that looks rough. This
1: this giant. (laughs) Oh yeah. This giant anchor we've been dragging (laughs) around this season.
0: Yeah. So that's that one, that one little, not little thing that monster thing is really, I think what has people sort of like, okay, I, I'm happy they've won the last two games, but look at the schedule now. How are they going to get through this with with that line playing the way it is? And the answer is they can't. They've got to be a lot better, fast, and somehow figure some ways around that. You mentioned uh, the last two games
1: and and Mickey, and we we'll, let's talk a little coaching search because that's always the 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 big thing going on, kind of in the background of whatever this run is that Nebraska's on.
0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a
1: member FDSE. The clam, maybe not clamoring, but it's it's like a dull roar maybe with, with two straight wins for Mickey and, and kind of what he can do. I mean... We just kind of laid out all the challenges that you kind of have with this roster. And Nebraska's got Purdue, and then they have another bye week, and then you get into November. Are you starting to believe that Mickey has more of a shot at this thing than maybe what we thought going into the first bye week? Like is is I guess what do you make so far of Mickey Joseph's tenure as interim head coach? And how does that fit into whatever decision Trev Alberts is ultimately going to have to make about who the next head coach is?
0: I think he's been really good. I mean, I think you have to at least keep the interview going with full consideration. And I'm not somebody like who, right now at this point in October, is like, give that guy the job, you know, because of this story or that story. There's all these great stories about Mickey, and it, it makes you feel good about how he's leading this team in this moment and possibly how he could in the future. Um, But the schedule is going to get tough now. And I kind of want to see, can they do something sort of unexpected against teams where Nebraska is going to be underdogs now? Could, could he get them to a bowl game? If he gets them to six wins, that's a heck of a coaching job. Like from where this group was in September, because this, this season had already been buried in the dirt. I mean, he's doing a good job. The fact that we're talking about this game on Saturday as like, okay, the big 10 West is there Nebraska's Nebraska is involved in a game that people are paying attention to for the standings. And it matters. Um, I didn't expect that, you know, after the Oklahoma game, I didn't, I would not have bet my uh, Toyota RAV that they were going to win. Um, and you know how I feel about my, <laughs> my vehicles. It's a
1: low key flex there.
0: The rab. <laughs> oh, oh is that yeah <laughs> look at this guy with his 18 rab talking it up <laughs> look how sensible he is <laughs> yeah gets decent mileage yeah. but uh yeah i i would not have bet that they're going to win the last two games even though i know um Rutgers in indiana are at the bottom of the barrel because guess what nebraska is at the bottom of the barrel so that's where you got to consider what mickey's doing you know like it you can't just say oh well those teams stunk you can't give that any credit Nebraska stunk before that and maybe they have to show they don't stink still like against better teams you know so um I just like the way he's provided a spark and he's so totally involved with everybody in the roster like when Sean Beckton I thought gave the best um people can go find it we wrote about it he was on the radio and he talked about Mickey behind the scenes and just how he's in all the defensive meetings he's in all the offensive meetings he's uh, the other day, guys were talking about how he's right there over the ball after every snap, and he's just there. He's constant, mm-hmm. and he has got he's calling guys in. He's like, hey, send so-and-so into my room. I want to meet with him before you have your position meeting. I just want to get to know him and talk to him. All that stuff is great. It does come down to wins and losses, but on the other surface-level stuff that goes with this job, he's doing a tremendous job in the first month. And I also think Brunce, he's not getting caught up in what anybody else thinks. I get the sense he's just like, I'm going in, I'm working, I'm with this team, and I'm not worrying about all the commotion. They can have their search. I know that my my resume is what we put on the field the next you know, six, seven weeks. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think it's pretty clear that I think, A, Mickey is being himself. I mean, I think that's really important in a situation like this, and I think that's why you've also seen a lot of buy-in from players because if he, you know, all of a sudden gets the interim tag, goes in there and is a completely different guy, players pick up on that and, and they understand that and I think that you know with with a head coach being fired with the defensive coordinator being fired, I think there's a lot of reasons for guys to pack it in and You know, I think the one thing that had to happen if the season was going to turn a little bit and and kind of start going in a good direction, you had you had to win those first two um, of this three game stretch. I mean, you needed a lot of buy in. and, And I think he's he's gotten that from his team. I think, you know, you're seeing a little bit more of just spirit from these guys. And, you know, you watch Mickey on the sidelines. You know, he's an emotional guy people feed off that, you know, I think the players really have responded to that. And I think also, you know, he's had a good plan for how he would kind of do things. So, you know, it's a small thing, but I was, I was impressed with the way that he kind of navigated the last six minutes of that game the other night. I mean, the kind of getting, getting the car in the garage at the end of a game like that, Especially for for new head coaches, I mean, it, it's not a given, and I thought he handled that really well. I think he's done a good job of kind of blocking out the noise, like you said, and just kind of getting to work. And you know, I, I think he's off to a good start. And and I mean, if you you're you're right, I think if you start getting into bowl conversations, you start talking about meaningful football late in November for the big 10 West. I think that that kind of changes the conversation a little bit for, you know, what his readiness and candidacy looks like for this job. And I, you know, I, I think Trev is, is Trev Alberts is giving him a legitimate shot at this and, and letting it kind of play out while also going about, you know, the, the work of vetting candidates and things like that. So I think he's, he's almost got to play with house money a little bit. Um, you know, with, with the way things have gone so far for this team. Um, you know, you kind of say that too, with the background of now Matt rule being available, uh, after being fired from Carolina. And that's kind of, you know, when Scott Frost was fired and you're putting together your hot board, uh, the, the big, what if was when Matt rule was going to be available, if he was going to be available and, uh, you know, as we sit here on October 12th, he's all of a sudden sitting on a $40 million buyout and uh, is currently unemployed. Where where do you think he fits into this
0: conversation? Well, I like Matt Rule as a candidate. I have from the beginning, and I think we were... (laughs) I would say from the start on our podcast, we kind of looked at rules, a guy who was not an NFL guy, even when that, before that season was starting it, you just had the sense of how it'd gone in Carolina, that that wasn't his, his lane, you know, yeah. like, and that it was probably going to end sort of how it did. And I don't think less of him for that. Some people will say, well, what, what about that? You know? And I, I don't know. There's been some really good coaches in college who just weren't, made for that league there's a different personality it's a different you know you you just so i i don't make a big deal about that um i mean you you at least you put it on the paper and it's part of his story but what he did in taking over programs that had um you know been losers right before he got there and within 3 or 4 years he had them in double digit wins is pretty impressive at both temple and baylor now i'll give the other side of that because people have brought it up and I think it's fair in the discussion, you know, when rule was at temple, um, they were switching conferences, I believe. Um, and they went to the, did they go to the AAC that like right after he got there, I think, but they had a, they maybe had a good conference set up, but also they had won a, sh- a fair amount of games, like a couple years before he took over, like not the year before, but they'd been had a decent foundation. So somebody could look at it and say, well. You know, it was sort of getting set up for a guy to come in and kind of build it up. And somebody might say that about Baylor because he took over after the Bryles fiasco, where Baylor basically just had to take it on the chin for a couple of years. But you know, Bronze, that there's a lot of resources down there in Waco, and uh, they weren't going to let that thing just go back to being um, in the ditch permanently. Like they were, that's the type of program where they would expect to bounce back at that point. And, uh, still he did it in two or three years. He, he got it to two or one win then seven wins then 11 wins. Pretty good. I know there's a knock against how many ranked teams he beat. I think he's a good builder. I think he'll probably do well somewhere at the college level. And I think Nebraska should kick the tires on him. And that's all I'll say. I don't, I'm not going to wave pom poms for a guy. I don't I mean Trev's got to do a lot of research and there's got to be like a lot of deep questions that we're not going to know the answers to before you decide like this guy does fit what I'm looking for. So it's easy for us on the outside without hearing that to like say, yeah, this guy or that guy. I just think he's a guy you got to look at. And I, I think they probably have.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing about him too, I mean, at at, both at Temple and at Baylor, I mean, he was, there was talent when he got there, but I think he also maximized some of the guys that he brought in too. I mean, he was really about finding explosiveness was looking for very specific qualities and the guys that he recruited. And certainly, you know, when you're in Texas, you benefit from, you know, it's a little bit like Scott Frost at UCF where there's, there's so much talent within a a car ride from your campus. Um, it, it makes things a little bit easier for you. Um, But I think when you're talking about, you know, the the kind of coach that Nebraska needs, I mean, whoever it is is going to have to either find some kind of advantage in in recruiting or, you know, really recruit gangbusters. And, um, you know, I I think Rule has shown that he, you know, has an eye for certain qualities and players that he can develop and turn into Legit players and, and and draftable players, and I, I think that's you know makes him intriguing to me. Aside from you know what you said, uh, kind of about his background too. He's a Big Ten guy. He went to Penn State. Um, you know, I, I think he you know has an understanding. I think of the Big Ten. Um, so there's there's a lot to like there, and I think I think him coming available certainly. Uh, you know, as a benefit to Nebraska search now, I mean, a guy that's that looks like he's been through the ringer, um, the last few years in Carolina, he's got the huge buyout was it 40 million bucks? Uh, that he's, he's basically like monthly going to be cashing like $800,000 checks. Um, so how eager is he going to be to get right back in? Yeah. Um, that's, that's, you know, something I think that, that warrants consideration. Um, but I, I, just think, you know, when you kind of look at the the checklist that Trev laid out, uh, w- when he made this, made the change, I think rule at least, you know, fits quite a few of those, um, kind of traits that, that, that I think would play well at Nebraska.
0: Yeah. I mean, rule can be as choosy as he wants to be probably, and n- nobody's a sure thing. Um, like I you tweet about a guy and everybody there you get people like hard pass you know or something they'll have these big bold opinions and I don't know that any but like you could say that guy's going to fail or that guy's going to succeed I don't know why I think this bronze I don't know if you do of the candidates when I hear their names rules one where I don't know if it would work or not but I sort of he's got like the a high ceiling to me if that makes sense. like he's one of those guys where i i i could picture like if you want to swing for a guy and and hope he could not just get you to eight or nine wins again but like in the future you're just suddenly a a ball a balling program again you know that's in the top 10 top 15 there's something about him that would at least give me that like hope you know that that maybe he could do that and i guess it's just because he He got Baylor to 11 wins in year three Um, different job, different situation, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta look at him. I mean, Lance Leipold continues to do really good stuff at Kansas, maybe lost his QB for the year. It seems. Um, Although there's a little back and forth about that, I guess the QB kind of refuted a report that said that. Um, But uh, I mean, Leipold, it's hard to argue with what he's doing uh, down at Kansas. and, And I'm sure Trev is, completely dialed into that one and uh you know Campbell has uh had a picked a bad time to go on a three-game losing streak Matt Campbell at Iowa State and uh I'm not discounting Mickey I don't want to make it seem like because we had this rule conversation that we're like oh we Mickey can't do it if Mickey wins on Saturday night at Purdue when we're when everybody's gonna pick Purdue and we're sitting at the bye and they're four and three you'll that conversation is going to heat up around here.
1: That that sets up a uh, a very very big game in that scenario. A very big game. Uh, oh. at, at home against Bretna, fighting Illini after the break.
0: Wouldn't that be something? I mean, it really would be. Like if they were, if they got to four and three and Illinois were coming here, and I mean, people would be fired up for that game. Nebraska, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> who who would have? <laughs> That Illinois squad plays some defense. That guy needs to get hired somewhere, Ryan Walters. In Colorado, he's a Colorado alum, but I don't know if he wants to go into that fire. But I hope for
1: his sake he doesn't go there. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, that's where that's where careers go to die. Man, he's he's got them playing some ball though. Uh right. Last question, Brunts. Who's who's your favorite in the West right now? You can I mean, change it by next week. Yeah, I mean, I
1: I, I would probably have to say I, I like what Illinois is
0: doing. I mean, it, hey, it feels like
1: they've got they, – they play defense. They've got an offense that can – the kind of classic Belama offense where you've got a quarterback that can do a few things, but not too much, just a little bit. Uh, You've got a running back that you can kind of run behind, and you've got a couple He's playmakers good. on the edge. And – you know, we'll see. I, I, I need to dig into the schedules a little bit more, but um, they're, they're, you know, I I don't know that they're a fluke in that defense after, I mean, everybody kind of shuts down Iowa, but winning that kind of a game against Iowa, I think was probably a big step for them as, as much as it pained everybody else to have
0: to watch it. Yeah. That was a, that was a good win for them. Um, You get, you gotta, you gotta fight, you just got to know you're going to have an ugly fight with Iowa and you got to win the ugly. And they did. Um, I, I could see, I would say Purdue's my favorite right now. So that's Nebraska's opportunity this Saturday to say, no, they're not. And uh, Minnesota, I think is one I would not forget about. Um, They play Illinois this week. And if, you know, if Minnesota wins, they put themselves right back there. Wisconsin I think is going to hire Jim Leonard. And I, I think I think he'll do well enough that he'll get that job because when that came open, there was like, well, Leipold, you know, maybe Wisconsin wants him. But <clears throat> I don't know, bronze I kind of think Wisconsin's going to be in the race, too. And and Leonard's going to be the permanent guy there. We'll see, though.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, they they, they kind of made the change at the right time, too, because you you get to make the change and then you got Northwestern the following week, which is always a. Uh, apparently if you're ever everybody but Nebraska
0: that you end up feeling good after that week. But yeah, yeah. too bad. Yeah. If Nebraska had that game, you'd have a little wiggle room and you could, you know, anyway, didn't happen. They're uh, three and three Purdue Saturday. We'll have plenty to talk about. Come to Husker 24 seven for all the latest uh, practice report updates, recruiting, coaching search stuff. Um, whatever Mickey says everybody loves whatever Mickey says right now we uh, we will document all of it and hoops and hoops it's big 10 media days and that season is coming up quickly and we'll have we'll have all the stuff come to Husker 247.com for all the latest